Happy New Year and welcome into the Mike and Micah podcast presented by Legendary Sports. Another year we're back at it. Micah, I hope you had a good New Year's. I hope everybody had a good uh, New Year's watching some some good old college football, eating some good food, spending some time with some family. Um, we're going to get right into it. We have a lot to discuss. Micah, college football happened last week. The college football playoffs happened last week. And we said we were like, we have a potential for three national championship games. Um, obviously, that didn't happen. With, uh, the first game that we had with LSU and Oklahoma, with that being a blowout. Realistically, I, I don't know about you, Michael, but I thought they were going to try to score 100 for a quick second there. Yeah. When they, when they had like 49 at, at halftime, I was like, I mean, if they really want to, they can come out and just set a record and just put up 100. I, but obviously, they, they wanted to keep everybody healthy, make sure that uh, they were good going into the national championship game. But that's where I want to start, Micah. I just want to get your initial observations and just what you what you thought about that game between LSU and Oklahoma. Man, um, when I called it being a blowout, I didn't even expect, you know, a blowout of this proportions. I mean, I called, like, maybe two or three touchdowns. And in my opinion, if you're going, if you're fighting for a chance at a national championship, that's a blowout. Uh, not keeping the game within one possession is kind of like a bad look if you're going to college football players. But goodness gracious, LSU. Um... They took advantage of a Big 12 team that plays Big 12 offenses and Big 12 defenses. Um, and, you know, and we kind of we, – we all kind of know the stigmas about the Big 12, high scoring, uh, a lot of offense. But I think we all kind of were looking like, um, you know, I guess like you know, suspect about that defense. Like what was the Oklahoma's defense? How are they going to fare against, in my opinion, the second best receiving class in the nation? And probably – Probably the team with the best two wide receivers this season. Um, and that's LSU, man. And they did exactly what I kind of expected them to do. Uh, Oklahoma, for some reason, for some strange reason, decided to go man at first. Um, you know, and kind of some cover zero looks, try to think they were going to be like bullies. And I guess they maybe they thought, which doesn't make sense because LSU's running back wasn't necessarily healthy. Uh, you know, they decided to give them those looks. And Joe Burrow decided to go crazy. And um, after that 7-7 tie, it was not a tie anymore, man. And um, LSU, just just the dominance from the air. Um, we all know Joe Burrow, seven touchdowns, eight total touchdowns. Um, just the Devinson, bro, four touchdowns, uh, two, over 200 yards. Um, it is interesting that Jamari Chase did have a quiet game, but he was being shadowed by uh, by, P9, uh, by P9, uh, Mark Motley from um, D.C. Shout out to him. He's going to be a good corner in the NFL. But, I mean – Dang, bro. I just didn't <laughs> expect it to be like this, and it's still kind of, you know, I'm wrapping my head around it. Um, Is it time for, you know, I guess we can kind of talk about it more, but, like, these Big 12 teams, what's going on with them? Because they're getting in, and they're just getting spanked every year, and I'm getting kind of sick of it. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that in a little bit, but I agree with you there. I actually thought it was going to be a little bit closer than a blowout. You said – uh, two to three touchdowns, maybe four in a crazy situation. I thought maybe it was going to be a one or two touchdown type of game because we were looking at two high-powered offenses. And LSU's uh, defense had proven to give up uh, points to Big 12 teams. They played Texas, Texas earlier this year, and it was 30-something. It was a 30-something point um, matchup between them. And they were able to move up, up and down the field against LSU. So I was definitely surprised to see that Oklahoma could not move the ball against uh, LSU's defense. Yeah, there were other circumstances. LSU was hyped. They looked like they were more prepared. They looked like they were ready. So it was surprising. Oklahoma, on the other hand, I mean, 
we said we'll get into it. We could, we could get into it now, Micah. It, this is the third year that we've seen it. We saw it with uh, we saw it with Baker Mayfield. We saw it with Kyler Murray, and now we're seeing it with Jalen Hurts, where they put up big numbers in the Big Twelve, um, and then they don't show anything in the college football playoff. The Big Twelve is not as competitive as a lot of these other conferences. And the question that I have is, do you think that we need to just stop looking past the record of, oh, you went 12-1 and one, or you only lost one game or you went undefeated in the Big 12, so we have to put you in the college football playoff? We saw tonight an Oregon and Wisconsin matchup that I believe if either of those teams had gotten in uh, in the college football playoff against LSU, the game would have been a lot closer. Way more so, competitive. Yeah, it's just like what – like what can the college football committee do at this point? We saw with Notre Dame last year also that we knew they weren't a real team. We knew that they were playing cupcakes. They got spanked by Clemson. We see this year, we know Oklahoma is going to get spanked by LSU, but the committee keeps doing it. So is there any way you could see this changing with Oklahoma finally after three years of being blown out, just saying, you know what, it's over for this team. Let's, let's go and try and uh, put another team in. I definitely think this is a product of what the ranking system has become um, since moving away from the BCS, uh, the previous BCS format and, you know, how the teams are kind of placed in bowl games and things like that. When you're doing this four-team tournament, obviously you want the four best teams and teams do get left out. Um, if we're playing a 16 tournament, I think Oregon, they upset a team in that case, you know, they look really, really good tonight. And even a team like Wisconsin, they look really, really good tonight as well. It's probably, you know, you talked about there being a, uh, Possible three championship games. I, I love that game. Yeah, it was, I, I love the game. I just it was, Rose Bowl was amazing. That's the type of game that you want to see in the in the college football playoff. Not 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 a blowout. Not uh, a game where after the first five minutes, you know, it's already over. It's it's ridiculous at this point. And I mean, and like you said, bro, there's an outlier here. The Big Twelve teams. Um, you know, I was kind of talking about the rankings before. I think this is a product of how we rank teams and the, I guess the hype and who should be ranked at that fourth spot and who shouldn't be. And, you know, and kind of thinking about this, who the committee is letting in. Um, I think this is the final straw for the uh, committee. Unless a team, like let's say Oklahoma, goes completely undefeated, no blemishes, and they look like a powerhouse, which, albeit, in the last couple of years, they have looked really, really good. And they've kind of, it's kind of been a little more shocking than this one right here. Um, I definitely think that you have to consider other factors with, you know, what you're getting out of the Big 12. Um, if you want to talk about a team, uh, a league that's top-heavy, the Big 12 is as top-heavy, in my opinion, as the SEC, but the problem is that talent, that mid-tier talent is not there. The Big 12, oh, my gosh. There's teams in the Big 12 that I think, like, if you could start at like Maryland, University of Maryland, the team they had this year, they would have been playing in a bowl game. Now, oh, yeah. I would, think, I would think they would be competing for a Big 12 championship. That's how, that's how bad I think the Big 12 is. Honestly, bro, and I hope the committee is kind of seeing what's going on. Um and, you know, maybe a six-team format kind of evens this out because you're going to get that first round of teams getting weeded out. Or if they have to play in, you put a Big 12 team in a situation like that. But I don't want to see a Big 12 team a part of the core four anymore. Honestly, I mean, where where is the Pac-12 uh, representation? Why are teams like Oregon who look really good? And you want to talk about star power, a guy like Joe Burrow, who's supposed to be the guy coming out besides – no, excuse me, uh, not Joe Burrow. Uh, Justin Herbert. Yeah, guys like guy like Justin Herbert coming out, who's supposed to be the guy coming in this season before Joe Burrow kind of just took over. Why is he not getting a chance to compete like he is? We see how much passion they play with today. And you know, LSU did jump out on Oklahoma, but I mean, I just these these Big Twelve teams keep getting embarrassed, and I, I'm pretty much over. So I hope the committee kind of realizes what they're getting themselves into, and that means three SEC teams have to get in. Then 
so be it. So be it. I want to see the best teams play for the championship. Yeah, I I I was actually going to go there. I was thinking that we get um we get the top six teams in the country, and we have the first two teams on a bye week. So we would have LSU and Ohio State this year on a bye, mm-hmm. and then you have Clemson, um you have Clemson, and you have Oklahoma. Oklahoma would face either Wisconsin or Georgia or Oregon in this situation, and they would lose. And then you get um a Clemson versus the other two, and you get your four of uh, you get your four of LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and probably Oregon. And that's where you have your best four teams. So I don't think the committee in any way is going to be able to change uh, putting in a Big 12 team because they are so a Power 5. Actually, I have another conversation I want to get to after <laughs> this, but they are a, a Power 5 team as of right now. So they're going to keep on giving them the benefit of the doubt. We have next year, too, with Spencer Rattler coming in now and I love him. He's a baller, and I know they're going to be a They're good going to team. win the Big 12 again. And they're going to be in the playoff, and they're probably going to lose, but he's a good quarterback. So it's like the offense is always going to be there, but if they can't stop anybody defensively, then there's honestly no point in, in continuing this. But th- that leads me to another topic that I want to get to. We also have the um, AAC who, ha- who have a lot of good teams. We saw Memphis and Penn State duke it out earlier in bowl season. We've seen of the UCS, we've seen the SMUs, we've just seen a lot of good teams in that conference be in the top 25 consistently over a lot of Big 12 teams. Do you ever see a possibility of a switch between the Big 12 not being that looked at that Power 5 school and we potentially get the AAC? Because they have a lot of good teams, a lot of good young coaches, a lot of teams that are competitive in the games that they actually play against the Power 5 teams. Man, so you brought up a great, great point about the idea of the you know the historical power five and it, you know it comes with the with the BCS rankings and things like that. It's always been the five conferences that have kind of you know molded what college football is going to be the powerhouses. Of course, with the American Conference, you're getting so much talent. There were if I yes, there were five ten win plus teams in the American Conference. I don't have like everybody's rankings up, but I'm pretty sure there were like in other conferences, there's less than that. Um, these teams are competitive. We saw it kind of kicked off with UCF a couple of years ago, and they've consistently been a 10 win team. Um, even one year, I believe, going undefeated and calling themselves the de facto national champions. Yep. Um, you know, and you get all these, these talented, these talented, talented teams, and they're producing. They're not getting blown out in bowl games. They're going hard. And yes, they might not win these bowl games. But mind you, they're playing consistent football every week. They're playing great football every week. You can make an opinion that, or you can, yeah, you can make the opinion, or you can make the argument that it's a power six now. The American Conference, you cannot sleep on them. There's no yeah. way possible you can sleep on them. The talent, especially in a case like in the state of Florida, where the talent is either you're going to Florida or UCF right now. Forget Miami, forget Florida State. You have a team right now that's going to put out great Fuller players and great Southern football every single year with a team like UCF. I don't see how you can't get representation for them in the playoffs. Now, there's a couple ways that this could happen. If you want to go power six and you go six teams and each, in co- each conference gets a, rep- yeah. a representative. Yep. That's, yeah, that, I think that, that, that's probably going to be – that would be the best method. And but... if, you, if you do that, who would play who would be kind of a, an interesting kind of thing. I think that would be up to committee to kind of – if you want to rank them how you do, you have your, um, your one through six and you – I guess you want to do it like a snake kind of thing where, you know, you could do the buys if you want. And then you have those two playing, and, you know, regardless of the conferences, whoever has the, the best record or, you know, whoever we put one and two, they get those buys kind of like, I guess, like in a snake kind of style kind of thing. 
Um, I'm fine with that. I like the representation, and I feel like it diversifies what we imagine the college football playoff to be because I don't know, bro. If we see UCF in that undefeated season, you never know what could have happened. They might have won a game I think, off of – I off think of, they would have. Because they were, oh, my God, they were playing such high-energy football that year. Um, if you get a UCF team that makes it, they beat it, upset a team, now you're talking some some stuff that we've never seen in college football, a team like UCF being able to play at least compete for a national championship. Because even in the BCS system, UCF will never be ranked past five. Nope. Never, ever, ever. But you, if you allow a team like this, not only does it diversify college football and the college football playoffs, but it gives a chance for what we wouldn't call necessarily football schools and a power five school to get a chance to do that. And I think that's better for the game. So I'm definitely for that. If each conference in the power six, you know, this kind of thing, get representation, I'm all for that. Yeah, I, I'm definitely for that too. But I think with the power six, they're also like, you have like your Boise States and you mm-hmm. also have your like Appalachian State colleges too. So you get into a situation as well, What's Why power we, six? Yeah, yeah ex- exactly. So would it just be – I think it maybe be like the next group of five of just like getting the best team from there. I think this year it would have been Memphis. I think Memphis was an absolute powerhouse. That Penn State game was super fun where they were going back and forth, back and forth at each other. I, I thought it was an amazing game for um, – amazing game for Memphis. And like you said, UCF uh, two years ago where they, when they went undefeated in uh, – I believe it was Florida that they beat. And then last year lost to LSU – where their quarterback was – they were on their third-string quarterback and mm-hmm. still put up – still were very competitive. And this year, obviously, uh, with Memphis rise, they weren't able to be as good as they were uh, the past couple of years. But I believe that was a team that was deserving to be in the top four. I believe they would have given a better fight against Alabama those two years um, against Oklahoma. So it's just you're – always, you're always in a catch. And I feel like nobody's ever going to be satisfied with whatever system that we have. Obviously, the playoff is a lot better than the BCS. But, yeah. like – what, how there's no way we, we would have been able to decide who are the two teams this year in the BCS. Oh, I mean, yeah. we would have said LSU and Clemson, but are we leaving the defending national champions who won every single game and did not lose this year? And besides one game where they won by one point, beat every team by 30 points. Were we, so it's it, the college football playoff, it is better than the BCS. We, we appreciate it and we enjoy it, but let's make it better. Let's get it to six teams and – I think we'll start seeing we'll start seeing better teams in that final four when it really matters at the at the end of the uh, end of the day and it's going to be great and we do see on the other hand the great side of this college football playoff in Clemson and Ohio State and that was a game mm-hmm. that was a game from the minutes well actually not from the minute it started because Ohio State jumped out to a 16-0 lead early and it looked like they were going to run away with it but I know we were talking in our group chat. The field goals instead of the touchdowns. Hurts, man. That left an opening for Clemson to come back, and they did. And Clemson won the game. A lot of controversial calls in it. Um, we'll start with the targeting call. Actually, I'll start with your just your general thoughts on the game, Mike, and then we'll get into the controversial calls and the targeting and the fumble. And what were your thoughts on that? Man, man, man. I'm so happy we got that game. You know, kind of like you said, as the inverse to the blowout we saw from LSU and Oklahoma. Um, and this game was everything is advertised. I don't think we or anybody would have predicted this game to kind of be a blow because these teams really match up well. And like you said, this is the great part about the college football playoff. You have a great team from the ACC. And you have a great team from the Big Ten who are, of course, the best representatives of their conference. They're going head-to-head. This right here is a national championship game in the old BCS format if, you know, if LSU doesn't go undefeated. We, we, we see these, like – 
these type of games are so beautiful for college football and the NCAA and just promoting and everything. Um, talking about the game a little bit more, yes, Ohio State jumped out to that big lead. No point, like, there was no point in time where I thought it was going to be a blowout. I kind of was like, all right, Clemson's playing really slow. If anything, they're kind of just feeling the punches. They're taking the jabs. They're going to come out in the second half. They didn't even wait to the second half, bro. The second quarter, when they were down 16-0, they riled the troops up, and they did what had to be do, uh, had to be done. They got down to uh, <clears throat> a 16-14 or 14 halftime score. And then from there, Clemson played Clemson football. Um, and honestly, I don't think you can talk about the game without talking about those calls. And kind of the – I don't know, I, I don't want to say the lack of discipline at times from Ohio State – but there was a clear just like I, I felt you I felt the tide kind of switch as soon as Clemson put up those fourteen points going into halftime. It's like, well, Ohio State is not really doing anything anymore. Besides J.K. Dobbins, man, I, I mean, yes, college football is always gonna be a lot of stats. If you look at Justin Fields' stats, they were okay. But the problem is he threw two picks. You can't do that, man, especially that last one. Um, and, of course, it is kind of like you're trying to just make something happen. And I don't really blame quarterbacks for doing that in late-game situations. But it was still an ill-advised and bad pass. And, you know, a little bit of um, miscommunication with him and his receiver. He was trying to turn back out to the pylon and try to make a play out of it. It happens, it happens when I play, too. Um, what I saw from Clemson, though, and I really, really like, is they look like the defending national champions. And, I mean, yes, it feels – I feel weird saying that. Like, they look like the defending national champions. But, dog, they look like the national champions. And they look like they're not going to go out without a fight. And we just saw that. So, I guess one of my one of my takeaways from this is, yes, those calls really did hurt. Of course those calls really hurt. Those calls always hurt. The calls have been hurting forever. But at the end of the day, Ohio State lost that game. It was not on the calls. And, you know, they play a part. But there was a totally other situations that could have been avoided. That would have got Ohio State that win. So you take it for what it is. Bad targetings, you know. That targeting call was actually really, really bad. I, I, I think we gotta talk about that, bro. Because yeah, that that was not a targeting. Um, and then that fumble, man. Uh, it, you know, you, you talk about refs and you talk about refs getting the calls right and wrong, and the ability to kind of review every play now is pretty much on the table. I don't know. I, I don't know how you go to review or review the call and you don't reverse that or you, you get a player that's going to be severely missed because of a target and you don't get him back in the game because they missed him. That's a starting yep. DB for Ohio State. And now he's not on he's not on the field. Now you had to use one of your backups who you never know. He's a, he's a backup for a reason. He needs The starter needs to be out there. And, you know, that hurts the game. So you see that. And, yes, I did say that Ohio State, they can take the blame for the loss for their play. Those calls still hurt because – Leaving things up to chance like that in, in football, and especially college football, that's damaging. That's why they're not in the national championship right now. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there also. With uh, looking at the Ohio State and Clemson game, just the game itself, you touched on it. Clemson played championship football. Yeah, they hadn't been tested all year, and they got down early 16 know That defense, they were bending, but they didn't break, weren't letting up the touchdown. Yeah, Ohio State did drop a couple of walking touchdowns, but, hey, they still came away with field goals. They kept their offense in the game long enough till uh, – they kept Clemson in the game long enough until the offense was able to pick it up and just start going. And once you saw everything starting to click for them, it was like, oh, man, this is, this is turning bad quick. And once they scored that second touchdown, that Trevor Lawrence touchdown, mm-hmm. before the end of the half, I'm pretty sure we said to in our group chat, game, I mean, game's game over. Like, we, we, we know what's happening now. It's Clemson's not losing this game. Um what I came away from this game for uh, Ohio State, on the other hand, is 
they're winning the national championship next year. Mm-hmm. With Justin Fields coming back. Like, we forget, like, Trevor Lawrence, this is his second year. Justin Fields, this was his first, first year man. of playing college football. He played a little bit in Georgia sparingly here and there in, like, some weird plays where you knew he was only going to run the ball because apparently, I mean, they didn't believe he was, he was a good enough passer or something. I don't, I don't know what they're doing in Georgia. But this is his first full year as a starter. They're returning Alave back next year. Justin Fields will be back. They'll have Master Teague back at running back. They're going to have all these pieces. Ryan Day in his second year learning and growing. They're winning the national championship next year. That's, that's going to be my goal. That's going to be my prediction just because of how their ability to just be such a good team so quick under Ryan Day. Yeah, it's Urban, Urban Myers recruits, but he was still able to help and produce. And they were looking like they were going to run away with that game. We'll see another blowout there but not able to get it. And I think that's going to fuel them and that's going to take them to, uh, take them to that next level on the ref side. Uh, Mike, I'll, I'll get your thoughts here. We did see a targeting call. You already talked about it, how you thought it was going to be. Um, that's, that was not a targeting. We saw a targeting in the Oklahoma LSU game where he left, he was leaping from his feet, got contact to, um, got contact to uh, Edward Hilaire's head and he was out of the game. This situation, we saw Trevor Lawrence was ducking down and the helmets did collide, but he was not targeting. So I agree, yeah, give him the 15 yards, but you can't eject a player like that. That's just not something that you can happen in such a pivotal game. And then with the fumble, the reason for replay is to t- change something if you have evidence that, without a doubt, we got this call wrong. I don't know how any ref in college football, any person that saw that play could say, without a doubt, this is an incomplete pass. We saw four steps. We saw a football move. I, I don't even understand what, a, like, if you're on the football field, you're making a football move. Like Everything that, is a football move. That's something that I will not get to this day. A football move is something that you're doing when you're on the field. And taking four steps to me, that's considered a football move. And the fact that they went there and they overturned it. I mean, the ref, um, the ref on the broadcast did say, um, he did say that it, it, he thought it was an incomplete pass. And the ref on the field, agree with it. So there's definitely a rule or something that they were very consistent throughout where they were like, yeah, from what we saw, this is incomplete because both the booth and on the field, they thought the mm-hmm. same thing. So I, I will give them that, but something about that rule. Yeah. Has to four steps is just, that, that's a football move. And it, you know, what's interesting. Um, I guess the, I don't want, I guess the ref liaison, I'll call them just that. Cause I don't know what their official title is. They always just have a ref on call now, basically. But, yeah. um, he was talking about how in reviewing this call, he would like to see or he will hope the refs are watching it in full speed. Yeah, full speed. Yep, exactly. And I could see in full speed, maybe. Now, mind you, I think the call was a fumble. I think that was a game-changing top NFL draft pick play right there by Okuda, who's going to be the top DB taken on the yeah, draft. No about he is a lockdown corner, and he is absolutely like – he's absolutely a phenomenal player who made a great play, PBU or not. He got the pass breakup, which is still a phenomenal play, but he was robbed of a chance. And mind you, they scored a touchdown on that too. That is a game-changing, game-altering play. That sucks the life out of Clemson. That is a great defensive play, and I think that's one of those plays that really changed the game. Now, if you watch it at full speed, okay, maybe it looks like one of those things where he was trying to keep the balls kind of propped up on him. He has a, has a high, and the DB swats it down, and it's an incompletion. I don't agree with this call. And mind you, we do have the, the luxury of slowing it down. But so do the rest when they challenge it. I don't care about – you don't make calls based on real time if you can slow it down and correct and be perfect. 
I don't want to use this an NBA example, but in the NBA on Christmas Day, we had we had a call where we could slow it down and see even with the best player in the league, where LeBron James got strapped by Pat Bev that it went off of him. And that's why you have replays. When they can get it right, you get it right. And you don't hurt the integrity of the game. There was four steps taken in slow motion. He took the ball. Jeffrey Okuda put his hand through, ripped it out. That was a fumble. That was a forced fumble. And the fact that they didn't get that right and the fact that they scored a touchdown on it, it hurt them. It significantly impacted the game. And, of course, I'll say this again. Ohio State had many chances. They did. They did. Many chances. But that's no excuse, and that's not a reason to discredit the bad, like the, the severity of that call. They score a touchdown. They're up in that game. It changes everything. So, I mean, with the refs and, and the kind of situation we've been in, even with the slowing down, the, the super slowing down and, and the viability of challenges on basically any turnover, they're automatically challenging it. Any touchdown, they're automatically challenging it. If you don't get it right, then what's the next step? What can we do to not hurt the integrity of the game? Because not only does this hurt what the fans are watching, but this hurts the players on the field because I'm pretty sure that Clemson receiver knows exactly what happened. He knows that he got away with one. Yep. And it's just one of those situations like, ha, we got you, but I, I just don't want to – I don't want to see that anymore in the game, and I wish we could avoid it. We ended up in the same situations we had when challenges were just eye tests, and it was kind of like, you know, uh, it was you had to waste the time out for a challenge, and it wasn't automatically challenged. Because if it's just going to be an eye test at full speed regardless, then what's the point of even challenging, man? Yeah, I, I definitely I definitely agree with you there. And I think that's uh, that's gonna that's gonna be something that's gonna be talked about over and over as we get through as we get through the um, off season. And it's definitely something that we have to look forward to next year that they try to fix. We saw with the NFL this year uh, that they decided to change it up with going with a uh, um, looking review on PI. It hasn't done much, but they were able to be forward thinking and try to implement those type of systems. And I believe that college football is gonna try the same thing where they're able to see that okay. If this is in this situation with four steps, or if you take three steps, then you've caught the ball. If you have possession, it's three steps, you caught the ball. Just a rule change that will help um, move the game forward yeah. and so we can avoid situations like this. But we did already come up with our college football playoff uh, champions. We both said Clemson. After watching this game, uh, watching both games, we have LSU and Clemson in the national championship, as you know, Micah. Mm. Have you changed your pick, or are you still sticking with Clemson? Well, I'm going to stick with my guns, and I know Joe Burrow is the hot player, and I know that that receiving court is disgusting, and I know that defense played a really, really good game. Um, Clemson is not like is not like Oklahoma. Um, they're the closest team to Alabama that they will see, in in my opinion, besides Alabama, of course, and maybe like a, a Georgia when they're not doing weird Georgia things that they always seem to do. Um, Clemson will give them the toughest challenge this year. And, well, I definitely know that it won't be a blow and it won't be a 60-point shootout, and it won't be a Big 12 football where we're going 75 to 60. <laughs> um, what, I, what do I expect? Like, do I expect a, a, a Big 10 defensive juggernaut game? No, I, I think they'll get to about maybe like a 35-28 game, but I think Clemson pulls it out simply because of that. I, I mean, if you can call veteran leadership and, and, and being kind of knowing the situation and knowing the stakes and – acting like champions and being champions. I see that happening. Uh, I've seen it with Alabama, where just them being there before and being in a situation and having the right mindset and right coaching, they're going to get it done. Um, 
LSU, they had a great season, and I hope they, they put banners up for this season and they, they you know, they were the college football player runner-ups. But at the end of the day, I think Clemson takes it. I really do think Clemson takes it. Uh, and it doesn't mean that it's going to be a terrible game by anybody on any front. I think both teams have some of the best quarterbacks we've seen this decade, and, you know, we just went to a new decade. But seeing a quarterback play from start to beginning of the decade is ridiculous now. Seeing the things that Joe Burrow can do and seeing the things that Trevor Lawrence can do is, is ridiculous. The, the receiver play is ridiculous on both teams. Defenses make hella plays, like great plays every single game. The run games are uh, great. At the end of the day, though, I have to take who's been there before and who will win it, in my opinion, and that's Clemson. Yeah, I'm I'm sticking with my pick, too, Clemson. Um, We knew that LSU and Oklahoma had a possibility of it not being a close game, and we knew that Clemson and Ohio State either could have been been the number two seed or either could have been – they could have been the number one seed. So we knew that game was going to be a national championship game and close. And I think people are starting to overestimate LSU. Maybe I'm underestimating them, but I believe people are overestimating LSU because of how they saw a blowout against Georgia and we saw a blowout against Oklahoma. But Clemson is still the defending national champions that were down 16 and were still able to come back and get to an Ohio State team that is electric on offense, that has Chase Young on defense. And they were still able to produce at a high level. And I think it's going to be a close game. But Clemson, just because of that championship mentality and the fact that Trevor Lawrence has not lost a game, they will pull this game out. And I, I was going to end the podcast here, but I brought up something, and it's on my mind now, and I, won't, I, ha- I have to get it on the podcast. For the people that are saying Chase Young did not affect the game against Clemson, please stop watching football and commenting, oh, and commenting on football because you obviously do not know what you're talking about. I don't think – and at this point, I can't even call them casual football fans anymore because these are the same people I would see talking about – the game on, like, you know, social media and things like that. Like, they know what they're talking about. The fact that Chase Young is who he is and Ohio State leads the nation, if I believe, in sacks. And a part of that is because Chase Young went ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. He constitutes a double team on every single down. They're keying on him. There are checks in the game where they're like, hey, Chase Young is right there. Please protect me. He or let's, kill, or let's, let's, let's flip this run play. Yes, because Chase Young is right there. And if we run into Chase Young, it will be a tackle for loss. And we're wasting a play. Hey, having Chase Young on the field is, is almost like having a shutdown DB for the fact that if you're trying to do any type of, of run fits or anything like that, it, you can't do it. You can't run read option to Chase Young's side. He's going to be the dive and the pitch. He is that athletic. If you give it off, he's going to tackle the running back. If, oh, if you try to keep the ball, he's going to obliterate <laughs> you're not, quarterback. You're not getting, you're not getting yeah, that. Yeah, please don't nope. do that. That's going to – bro, I will guarantee you, Trevor Lawrence is not getting that same read option run he is getting that he scored on while I was – wait, excuse me. No. Well, yeah. I don't that, – that run itself was ridiculous in my opinion. I don't think in any other case if Chase Young is on, that's how to feel that it happens. Yeah. I Like, there's a lot of things that happen in the game that – you know, they're going to go on those, especially linemen play, and you can attest for this, that yep. batter every single down. And if you, if you watch football and you watch the tape, you'll see what good D linemen and O linemen play look like. And Chase Young is the best defensive lineman and defensive player, in my opinion, in this draft and, and possibly in college football for the last maybe two years. He is that electric from a defensive standpoint, which is it, – it's, it's hard to find, and I hope the rest can take him that too. I, I was a little – I was a little shaky on it at first, but, oh, my gosh, we're playing 4-3 now, bro. If the Redskins don't take him, then what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll definitely talk, uh, touch on the Redskins 
later on in this week. As like we said, we're dropping podcasts every day now. That's the goal for this year to drop 365 pods at least. Um, but with the Chase Young side, I went back because I saw a lot on Twitter. I went back and I watched clips and I watched highlights of the game. Clemson's whole offensive scheme was built around making Chase Young not affect the game. So whether that was running, not running to him with a pitch or running to him and having extra blockers so that you can chip so your tackle isn't there one-on-one by himself or doing pass protection, moving your running back to whatever side Chase Young is on. They did so many things to not affect the game and that uh, to make sure he doesn't affect the game. And you know what that did? That opened up the uh, possibilities for other Ohio State players to get sacks, mm-hmm. for them to get uh, pass breakups. You can't, you can't pull your uh, running back out for a check down. So that makes that your wide receivers are going to have to win their routes. And that is kind of what stalled Clemson in the first, in the first half. They were trying to get used to that in the NFL. You bring, cause I, I started seeing Chase Young is overrated. You shouldn't take him as top two in the NFL. All these players are top notch players. All these, all these D linemen, you can't, you can't decide, Oh, I'm going to double team Chase Young and let everybody have one-on-one battles. No, my because God. Those DTs, those DTs and DNs are, they're going to eat. They're going. So, Chase Young in a system with competent defensive linemen and Ohio State, they, they obviously have great offensive linemen, but uh, defensive linemen, but they're they're not to the level of each and everyone being an NFL level that can win a one-on-one matchup. It's going to be a scary sight. We talked about it with the Redskins, Montez Sweat and Chase Young, and then you have uh, some combination of Payne, Ioannidis, and Allen in the middle. That that's a, that's a terrible. Makes that's them a, a top five, <laughs> which are already uh, one of the best front sevens or D linemen groups in the in the league. Yeah, that that, that, that adds another element too. It. It'll be the best with with proper like with proper use and the proper scheme. Oh, well, it'll be well, the best. But hey, we won't project. We'll, we'll talk we're, about that later. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that later. But hey, just know that the the Redskins will be making a comeback. But that's enough here for this podcast. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another pod. Like we said, we're going to be back every week. Make sure you subscribe to our channel at Legendary Sports Network to get updates and also follow us on Twitter at Legendary Sports. For Mike and Micah, we'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.